0: Welcome to Lydia Finette's Claim Your Confidence, a podcast that will introduce you to the most powerful women in the world as they talk about their own confidence journey. No matter what obstacles you face, Claim Your Confidence will inspire you, motivate you, and give you a roadmap to live the life you want. So, are you ready to claim your confidence? Hi everyone, this is Lydia Finette, and welcome to Claim Your Confidence. I'm so delighted that you're joining me today and tuning in and boy, do I have an exciting guest for you. So if you are one of the 11 million subscribers to a small company known as Rent the Runway, the woman who's sitting right in front of me today at Newsstand Studios in Rockefeller Plaza is one of the two ladies you can thank. What an incredible idea that was and I'm so excited to have Jenny Fly sitting with me here today. But first, a word from our sponsors. Jenny is an entrepreneur, an intrapreneur, and an investor. She also has founded and scaled not only one, but two business ideas from scratch, both Rent the Runway and Jet Black. She's currently a venture partner at Volition Capital, and has been honored with honestly a list of so many awards I won't even start because I will never be able to get off of this let's seat. Not, let's just, not even but start. But thank you. <laughs> but Jenny currently lives in New York City with her husband and a fellow three-child mom. Always love to see a working mom with three kids as well. So Jenny, let's start at the beginning. You grew up in new york city and you still live here today i'm raising children here and as parents we hear a lot about city kids so i want to hear a little bit about your life growing up in new york city and how you think it ultimately kind of influenced where you went in business and in life
1: yeah well we're sitting here in rock center and i grew up actually 10 blocks away from where we are right now so right in the thick of new york midtown And it influenced me in so many ways. You know, I think first the hustle and bustle of New York and just the energy and the pace that was constantly around me. I knew nothing else other than that. And my dad works in real estate. And so for him, being around Manhattan and being an entrepreneur in his industry was part and parcel to his everyday, to my everyday. I would go to the different buildings and projects that he was working on and meet all the people that were part of these projects. And so it felt pretty natural to have
0: this entrepreneurial. underpinning in my life yeah and i love that you talk about that because i know later we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of the blend which is blending family and business together and i've heard from so many people that there's someone who's early on in their life who really takes them on those first trips whether it be a parent or a teacher or something like that that exposes them to business did you follow in your father's footsteps at all did you love real estate from the beginning is that something that you've carried with you throughout your life i have a fascination with real estate for sure
1: like anytime we have Bought or sold a property or a friend has bought or sold a property. I love getting in there and looking at the listings. We definitely have some family real estate assets that I've been helpful in thinking about what is the right time to sell and to flip them. But you know, I say the biggest thing about real estate is you're able to create something out of nothing, right? And to visibly see it. You're able to see people see the building go up, but then you see people using it. And it's this really rewarding feeling of how tangible the effect of of what you're working on is. So when I started my career, I actually initially worked in finance, in investment banking and consulting within the finance industry. And the consumer was so far removed from what I was doing, it was really hard for me to get energy from that work mm-hmm. uh, and to really feel like I even understood the nuts and bolts of what I was building and creating. And it wasn't until working on Rent the Runway where I felt so closely connected to the consumer and the end impact of how you were changing and relating to their lives, which really inspired me.
0: You were in college, you go to Morgan Stanley, is that correct? Yes. And then from Morgan Stanley, at what point did you decide that you were going to go to business school? Well,
1: I went to Morgan Stanley and then I went to Lehman Brothers, still searching for, you know, what was the right firm? What was the right fit? And I still wasn't finding the energy that I knew I could find from work. I was always someone who liked work. I liked school. And so I went to business school with the idea of pivoting my career, of thinking of what is that reset? And honestly, like figuring out what my career should be. You don't spend a lot of time doing that in liberal arts schools and undergrad. And I wanted the chance to be amongst classmates who had done so many different things, to be able to be immersed in the case studies and, and business examples to better unpack what I wanted to do. And day one of business school, they had us take this like career assessment of a bunch of questions. And it came back that I was like 99% entrepreneur.
0: Was that something you'd ever thought about before? You know, I had done
1: some entrepreneurial things. Absolutely. I had a side hustle during banking where I was helping kids with their college essays. I loved lemonade stands when I was growing up. <laughs> Even in would, the city? I always wonder about this. <laughs> I did them out in Long Island over the summers, but like okay. that is how I wanted to spend my time. Uh-huh. My dad and I talked about like popping up a little kiosk in one of his real estate projects I always had this like entrepreneurial event to me where I was thinking and creating and observing the world around me and I derived a lot of energy but I didn't know that could be a career I was like this is fun but can that be a job And so in discussing with the career coach the results of this test I was like, well what do I do with that right It's not that I have this burning idea that I'm ready to go do or launch and so I iterated around is it consumer packaged goods, where you're kind of the hub of, and there's a lot of spokes and you're managing a product. And I ultimately was going to go work at a startup when my co-founder and I thought up the idea for Rent the Runway during our second year of business school, and we dropped all other plans and immediately saw the energy from just touching the lives of consumers with the incredible feeling that you have putting on a great designer dress.
0: Where was the nugget of information that started this conversation? Because I remember reading about Rent the Runway, and I have three siblings. I feel like nothing is really mine in life. I was in boarding school, in high school, I went to college. I feel like everything has always been everybody else's and mine, like closets have always been yeah. borrowed. And, and I love that entire life. And I remember thinking to myself when I read about Rent the Runway for the first time, God, that's a business someone should have started before. I mean, it was really one of those things that was such a no-brainer and yet it took so much. So where did the conversation start with you two? Hey, I need to borrow this from you and let's start a company or what did this look like? Yeah, well, I think you're right that some concepts come from what is a behavior that
1: exists in some form in our lives and how can we amplify that or make that easier for consumers or better for consumers? Jen and I were at a lunch table. We were at the lunch hall having just a casual conversation after Thanksgiving break and her sister, Becky, had had this moment where she purchased an $800 designer dress for a wedding. Mm-hmm. And Becky was recently out of college and Jen, as the older sister, was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Why are you spending this money? You're in credit card debt, you eat pizza for dinner to <laughs> <who> afford... <laughs> you know, Ramen, whatever. barely. Yeah, it it's, it's <laughs> makes no sense. You yeah. have all these dresses in your closet. You have 100 dresses in your closet. You could borrow from me. And Becky said two things that were really funny at the time, but also very telling. And the first thing she said was that all the dresses in her closet were dead to her. Yeah, <laughs> because she'd been photographed in them. Oh, I love and Becky already.
0: I, that, right, <laughs> and we relate. And then they were posted
1: on social media, uh-huh. and this is back in 2008, where social media was just taking shape as something where hey, you know, a couple times a week where you had a special event, you would post that photo. Today, it's like you, you post maybe three times a day and you, right. that, that's amplified. But this Facebook kills outfits phenomenon was something as we talked to more people that we started to hear. Mm-hmm. Social media also amplifies the number of people who are seeing your brand and how long that brand image is going to be set in stone in the world of social media. So yeah. the importance of that investment is bigger. The other thing Becky said was, you know, I'm going to wear this to a wedding and I might meet my future husband. At this wedding. So, a funny thing, but also this really practical, true thing where the moment when you're probably your lowest income earning potential in your life Mm -hmm. or income earning moment you have the most events and possibly the most high stakes events like you are meeting your spouse and significant others you do want to look your best i mean these days i don't have many black tie events at all (laughs) Um, and so i think from that we started discussing in our own behaviors whether it was borrowing dresses from other friends of ours uh, especially when you're back in your college days whether it was you know talking to others and understanding that sometimes people buy clothing at retailers keep the tags on and then return them and hearing that the biggest return dates were the day after New Year's and the day after Valentine's Day. So there was these kind of illegitimate ways and then sometimes these legitimate ways that existed.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I'd never even thought about that. So you have the conversation with Jen and you're discussing all of this, but then when does it start to take shape? Is it after that lunch, you have that discussion and then you go from there and all of a sudden it's like guns blazing and you're off with this idea or is this something that percolated for a while? Because I always think the founder story is so interesting because you can hear something once and think it's a good idea but then not do anything about it or it can go in the opposite direction. You can hit the accelerator and never look back.
1: Completely. And I think that's part of the magic of where we were in our lives and Rent the Runway is that the moment we had that lunch conversation, we emailed Diane von Furstenberg. And it was, it was like within a couple hours of that lunch discussion, we were just energized and we were kind of like, why not? And part of it was to learn. We were in this business school environment where you learn from people in the industry. And so we were not from the fashion industry. We're not from that world. And we said, who do we possibly know? And through a distant contact, I got what we hoped was the email for Dan Von Furstenberg. And we shot off a note. And within a couple hours, we got a note back that was like, come to my office tomorrow at 5 p.m. And it was in like pink. Font. and we were like, is this really her? Is this what how life works? Is this okay? But, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> why
0: her? Out of curiosity, why Diane von Furstenberg?
1: In retrospect, it was amazing to have such a female pioneer yeah. and, and entrepreneur who was like, be a woman, wear a dress. Yeah. Uh, at the time, honestly, it was like. Who is an influential person in the world of fashion whose email we could get our hands on? I love it. It's really that simple. Really that simple. And we, of course, like, you know, were inspired by her. And she was so influential in that industry that it was very exciting when we found out that we could get in touch with her. And we thought, you know, worst case, this is a really fun story and experience. And so the next day we drove to New York City from we were in Boston and we had our DVF dresses on and our hair blown out and we walked up the steps to her office. and. I'll never forget she was strewn across this, you know, credenza or this this lounge chair and eating grapes or something that were Stop beside her. I mean, the whole thing right it was like a, a cheetah <laughs> lounger and-
0: So everything she, you want Diane Von Furstenberg yeah, to be. Yeah, tossing her hair. Yes.
1: And meanwhile, it was like fashion week. So there was models walking up and down the steps everywhere. And again, we were not from the fashion world. So we're <laughs> like, this is fantastic and so interesting. We we're taking it all in. And initially she hated our concept. Really? And she spent an hour and a half talking to us, but mostly telling us why she hated our concept. And why did she hate your concept? So she was worried it would cannibalize her sales. And she was also worried about the brand image that it would have for her business. Mm -hmm. The idea that if someone could rent the items, then why would they buy them was threatening. And then would it be kind of down market relative to the premium brand that she had invested decades in building. Mm -hmm. And whereas it was demoralizing moment, it was also a chance to hear feedback, to ask a ton of questions to build a relationship with her, and then to learn how we could pivot our sales pitch as we talk to more designers and eventually to talk
0: to her again and win her over. And so you left that feeling, what? Excitement, but also a little bit uncomfortable and sad that it wasn't exactly what you thought. You probably thought when you walked in, she was gonna say, this is the best concept ever. Let's go forward. But what did you feel like after that? And what did you do next?
1: I left that meeting and said to Jen, you know, well that was fun for a couple of days. <laughs> like I really thought like that was it. This one of the most influential people in the fashion world was like sorry no this is not going to be a thing. And Jen and this is where having a co-founder is incredible. And I you know, I don't really enjoy doing things without a co-founder. I think it's more fun, yeah. but I also think there's so many times when you bring each other up when someone's down and she was like, are you kidding me? She just told us all the things that are painful to her and how we could help her because we asked questions. We said, well, what is a pain point for you? And she said, fast fashion. Zara, H&M, Forever 21, they are copying my designs. Mm -hmm. They're putting it on at a lower price point. They're taking the younger customers away because it is true that when you're a younger consumer, you can't afford these designer outfits, yet you have a lot of events. She said, you know, the department stores, meanwhile, that customer is aging. They're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and the department stores aren't buying my editorial styles. They're not really buying the prints and the fun things because they know their consumer is more likely to buy the black or the the navy staple dress. So the these special looks that were so representative of her brand and her artistry also weren't getting out there. And from that, we're like, well, there's a lot we can do with that, right? And we can be an experiential marketing platform for you. We can put women in their 20s in your dresses. We can buy them more editorial styles. We can have them take photos of these special moments. People are going to tell them they look great. It's going to talk about your brand. We can build you a customer for the future, and we can have it all on
0: social media. That conversation probably took place further down the line. It probably wasn't an in the minute conversation that you're pivoting like that. So, then what was the next fashion house that you went to? We went to so many fashion houses. You know, one big unlock for us was Max Mara
1: Fashion House, which owned Hervé Leger. Yeah. And Hervé Leger at the time was like the it brand. And we're like, if we can get Hervé Leger, you know, it was at this like $600 price point, yet every young girl wanted to wear it. There wasn't a good knockoff, and it was like, not okay to wear a knockoff signing that brand on that was our top renting brand for a really long time another big one for us was Perenza schooler because yeah. at that point it was you know still a small brand but one that was so respected in the fashion industry and there's a lot of group think in the fashion industry so what happens is others will ask who else is doing this right who else is signing on to rental and many times we had to talk to designers 10 times until they finally felt comfortable. And we'd go back again and again. We would plot out the floors of Bergdorf's to see which designers were sitting next to other designers so we could try to make sure we were talking about other relevant people who were in the mix considering this. A
0: little jealousy going, a little competition. Yeah, just to
1: make sure that they felt they were in good company. And you know, as we developed mocks of our site and we were able to show that this is a really aspirational experience, we're gonna deliver this in a garment bag, the marketing, everything's gonna be high-end. And gradually, designers started to get more and more comfortable.
0: And so you've done this incredible job of sort of making this network of designers and you create Rent the Runway, the company. So you're getting, what, did you bootstrap it from the beginning? How did you raise the money? Where did that start? We raised money, actually, while we were in
1: business school. And that was one of my criteria in kind of quitting these other jobs that Jen and I had worked really hard and gone to business school to line up and been really thoughtful about what were those paths going to be. And I said, you know what? We're first-time entrepreneurs. This business is going to take money, right? Like it's not like there's some businesses you can bootstrap. We needed inventory. Mm -hmm. We needed a considerable amount of inventory so that we were perceived as legitimate. If a customer comes on a site and you have like one size of something and not that much inventory, it's like why am I going to try this? And the designers would feel the same way. We needed some form of logistics and dry cleaning budget and we needed a website. And we weren't engineers. We weren't technologists. We actually needed to hire a firm to do that. Let alone the fact that having a venture capital investor was a form of a partner. It's someone who's done this before. And if you find the right person, I think can really help you as
0: a form of a co-founder in building the business. And it it de-risks it kind of personally as well. I read a quote that I want to read back to you, where you said, to be successful, you'll need to steel yourself against doubters who won't understand the business problem you're solving as well as you do. And when I think about claiming your confidence, this is really the perfect quote, especially as it comes to being an entrepreneur, because a lot of times you are walking into rooms of people who don't know what you're talking about or think the way that you're thinking. So what would be one tip you would share with someone who is listening, who wants to launch a business when you walk into a room full of people and you're trying to get them involved in your dream? What do you need to be thinking about? And what do you need to also understand from a confidence standpoint to stand strong in those moments when someone is doubting you? Absolutely. Well, I always say show, don't tell. And
1: I think that's especially true when you're dealing with a group that doesn't really relate to the concept at hand. So we were two women in our 20s pitching groups of male venture capitalists, I'd say, maybe all but one was a, was a man, right? And it's gotten a little better, but it's still a really small percentage. Many of them didn't know what an accessory was. Mm. Just relating to the reason that women need all these dresses and the emotional connection that women have with fashion was really challenging. And so instead we would start our pitches with videos. We had done these trunk shows and we had taken videos and interviewed some women about the feeling that it was to have put on a gold sparkly dress and felt like it was their armor and how great and confident they felt. And Actually it was that unlock of even watching those women when we hosted these trunk shows that led us to create the whole vision and the brand around Rent the Runway. We initially said, this is a practical solution, it's cost effective, it's convenient. But once you see customers interact and you open your mind to what is the customer telling us the value proposition is, we saw it was so much bigger than that. And that's the reason for all the men listening that women want all these clothing. It makes yeah. us it, makes it feel great. So seeing that I think was really powerful. We even invited some of these VCs to come witness at the trunk shows, to, like talk to some customers so they could really understand through that lens a bit better.
0: Yeah. And it is interesting because I've been a Rent the Runway subscriber for a very long time. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) And because I'm an auctioneer, I'm on stage, you know, sometimes 50, 70 nights a year. And in my early 20s, when I first started taking this, it was always about the black dress. You know, I think I had one from Ann Taylor Loft, maybe Ann Taylor, if I'm lucky, I can't remember, but it definitely was not very glamorous or fabulous. You got good mileage out of it. (laughs) I got incredible mileage out of it. But the interesting thing was over time, as I became more confident as an auctioneer, I started to dress the way that I enjoy dressing, which was a lot of color and sparkle. Mm -hmm. And as so Social media came in in 2008, 2009, I couldn't really go back night after night. And also in New York, I would take auctions night after night in front of the same people sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it became a real issue for me. Should I be spending money buying cocktail dresses every night? And the answer, of course, is no. And so Rent the Runway came in for me at a perfect time in my career because it allowed me to feel amazing on stage and try out these incredible designers who I've now become shoppers of over the years yeah. and introduced me to so many things. So I am a huge fan and loyalist to Rent the Runway. Thank and you. we That's definitely That's perfect encourage. use case. Yeah. And
1: right, the confidence that I'm sure it brings when you feel like, wow, I look great, or it's even just something new and different.
0: Absolutely. Is really powerful. Absolutely. So you're at Run the Runway, and where are you in having children at this point? Because this is the other thing, and I'm a mom of three too, so I can say this, that in those early days when you have the babies, especially when you're having them close together and you're dealing with pregnancy, I don't know if yours were like mine, where I didn't feel great throughout my pregnancies, and you're sort of struggling through this, what does this look like for you as a founder? I'm sure you're up at all hours, not only with little babies, but then also building a company. How did you manage that part? And tell us about the blend, because I love this word. Yes, absolutely. So I had my first
1: child when I was four or five years in to rent the runway. And in retrospect, it was both crazy, but also something I would never give back. Right. You know, I always say to women who ask me about this, there's never a great time. Like Your life is always going to be chaotic and crazy. And it's the last thing you want to regret is like, if you want to have kids, like, have kids and you will figure it out. You really will. You'll, You'll figure out the crazy and you'll learn to live with it. But in retrospect, I'm even more glad because of what it showed to other women in the office. I was the first woman to have a baby while we were building Rent the Runway, and yet we always have had a majority of women who work at the company. They're passionate about the concept, they understand the core consumer, and for women to see that I brought my child into the office and hence this idea of the blend and incorporating my child into my life, we built a nursing room, so that became a part of my world. People in the office would see her they played with her she came to some photo shoots it was the fact that she could be a part and that i could blend my world together that brought a levity to the office it was fun and it told other future moms like this is okay first of all like i can do this too mm-hmm. and still stay at work and engaged, and i can bring my child into the office sometime as well it's less of a choice that way right yeah. it's less of people use the word balance and i say it's a blend not a balance yeah so it was crazy i had you know two of my three kids, really all three of them while I was at Rent the Runway, it also unlocked other realizations from the consumer lens. So many of our consumers were and are moms. Maternity is a great use case. Going through different sizes pre and post-pregnancy, wanting to feel great after pregnancy where you've really felt like you can barely wear any of your clothes is just the most powerful confidence-inducing aspect of our lives. And so as we Grew the business to other categories, and as we launched our subscription program with more types of clothing, there were just more consumers I was able to relate to.
0: Yeah, and it's so true because, especially as you're getting into those maternity wear <laughs> brands, and you're investing so much money in them, and you're just thinking to yourself, "My gosh, talk about something I'm never going to use again!" Especially as you end up finishing having your children, makes no sense. It makes no sense to buy it. The other thing is, you obviously have the children and you're bringing them into the office, so you have that blend. But then you also have this amazing thing you were telling me about how you gave back in the office to other people. So not only showing them how to blend a family and bring the family into your work, but also, incubating new businesses, so birthing new businesses in many ways out of your office. Yeah, we
1: started the Rent the Runway Foundation, and we had a program called Project Entrepreneur to support female entrepreneurs. Jen and I felt so grateful about our ability to build Rent the Runway and have this amazing and fun career where we learn so much every day. And also for women like Diane von Furstenberg, who bothered to read that email and respond and take time with us and give feedback, and and she did it subsequently a couple more times. And I know that part of her mantra is taking two emails at the beginning of every day and responding to them because yeah. she, she gets a ton, right? Yeah. So this idea of paying it forward, we felt that the unique way we could do that would be by inviting a group of entrepreneurs into our office. And we did this over the summer months and it was for five or six weeks. And we tried to pick companies who had gone through a process of selection, but were also really able to benefit from what we had to offer. We let them talk to our engineers and our analytics team. We let them sit in meetings and just breathe what it was to be at a startup. And it was really powerful for those businesses. I brought my oldest daughter to many of the sessions when we had content, we actually had certain sessions where there was content for hundreds of women who were entrepreneurs and just having her see all these women who had these businesses and started companies and then getting to hear about those businesses made her always feel a part of the work and what I was doing. When I had to go on a Saturday to host one of these conferences, I was able to either bring her and she could see that I was speaking to hundreds of women and that was helpful to them. And it it let her feel a part of the journey rather than like it was a trade-off that I was picking work instead of her,
0: which I think is something that I've often heard as a working mom. People are sort of like, "Well, you travel all the time," and I say, "But I also bring my kids whenever I can, and especially my oldest daughter, who really has traveled with me. Really, I mean, honestly, I think the first trip I took her on, she was." probably two or three. Yeah. And even before that, I had been on stage at an auction when she was three months old. I'd just come off of maternity leave and my parents stood backstage with her so I could run off and nurse her because it was four and a half hours. So she's been there since the beginning and she understands when I leave that there's a place that I'm going and she can visualize it. Yeah. Which again, I think as a young woman or even as a little boy watching your mom go out, into the world and do these incredible things and change people's lives is such a motivating factor for them for the Absolutely. rest of their lives. What
1: a great experience. My oldest daughter was at the Rent the Runway IPO. It's and every time we pass Times Square, she still, you know, she points up at the sign and says, that's where Rent the Runway was. And we have those pictures. And she was able to tell her friends she wants to be an entrepreneur when she grows up, right? Yeah. Like this is, it's truly inspiring. I think the next generation of women and letting them feel Proud of their parents. I went to Boston College the other week and she was sad that I was going on a a trip. And I shared with her the slides that I was presenting. And Mm -hmm. I actually talked her through my presentation. And at an age where she's 11, she's like, she gets it. And she's like, that's really cool. That's interesting. And now she made a slideshow about a book (laughs) report she's doing, but she chose to do it in this like slideshow format. And so it's so fun to see the ways this can kind of echo and be a part of your children's lives.
0: Absolutely. So you've birthed Rent the Runway, you have your children, three children, and then you decide to move on. What does it take to take a leap like that after you found something that has already been a success and you've become a known name in the world as this unicorn founder? And then off you go to the next. Where did the leap come? Why did the leap come? Yeah, well, it was an amazing journey at Rent the Runway,
1: everything from touching many, many, many areas of rent the runway in the beginning because there was just the need to do lots of things to launching our warehouses and setting up what is the largest dry cleaner in the United States, something <laughs> I never thought I would be so doing. I had no
0: idea that that is really a statistic to be proud of. Good I more.
1: mean it was fascinating and building out that operations, logistics team, all the way to then working in business development and helping to roll out our subscription program and do testing that validated that concept to roll out our omni-channel store strategy. And I've always had this piece of me that works on kind of these entrepreneurial parts of the business, whether it's understanding dry cleaning, whether it's understanding subscription business, whether it's understanding retail and how to use omni-channel. And so this serial entrepreneur aspect of me has really been there all along. And as the business got to a place where everything was ticking, and humming really well, we'd built this awesome team, it suddenly felt like it would be okay. Like this child had grown up in some ways, right? And also like I was in a great place and feeling that if I did leave, my co-founder had so many great resources. We had a great board. And when I was offered an opportunity to start businesses for Walmart, this huge fortune one retailer the unique ability to add such an impact to the world because of their scale and to leverage the resources really felt like something I wanted to do as a next step in my career. And so I helped Walmart set up their retail tech incubator and I also launched the first business within this tech retail incubator called Jet Black. And tell us a little bit about Jet Black and what that journey looked like. Yeah, well, Jet Black was personal shopping over text message. And at that moment I had three kids and the biggest luxury uh, that we have and the most important thing in our lives is time, right? Like how can we get more time? And I never felt more time strapped than that moment where all these kids want your attention and yet I was working and starting a new business at a new company and you wanna always like start really well, put the best foot forward. And I would often deal with these household tasks, right? It was like restocking paper towels or getting a birthday gift. And it was really distracting sometimes from work. And there wasn't a great solution. Often I'd be holding a child in one hand and using my phone to text was a really efficient way of getting things done. And I would often text myself things to do that came up over the course of the day. And then at the end of the day, I would try to check them off and get them done. And whereas Walmart was building a conversational commerce solution that in time can incorporate voice commerce when we spoke to customers and then I related to it as the customer text was what they wanted at that point in time. And the technology was at a point where text was actually the most useful for shopping interactions. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ability to purchase everything from paper towels all the way to a Chanel handbag, really anything via text message is what we service. You could take a photo of something and send it in. You could ask for a recommendation. Moms in particular are the core, the biggest consumer group, and they're going through all these new life stages. Like what pacifier do i buy for my child which toddler bed is the most appropriate for my child and by connecting and understanding what it was to be that consumer we were really able to innovate and pioneer a new type of commerce
0: was it fun that job it was so much fun yeah. like so, and so much different fun. than run the runway or kind of the
1: same you know i think the entrepreneurial dna of just getting so close to the customer understanding what really makes them tick what's in their head was similar. Building a team is like 50% of your job as an entrepreneur. Building the team, retaining the team, motivating the team, So those pieces were really similar. Having done it once before, the ability to tell stories to the team when there was rough moments of like, hey, this is normal, that was really powerful. Uh, The pieces that were largely different is we did leverage some of the infrastructure, finance resources, HR resources within Walmart, funding from Walmart. And then the other piece was there were certain things that Walmart wanted to prove out and to understand. So whereas a normal startup, you're just trying to like make as much money as you can, Mm -hmm. not lose the money that you've raised. There was a lot of learnings that we were collecting as we went along the way building Jet Black. So there's always these kind of dual tracks of like, yes, we want to make money, but like, here's the things we want to give back to the mothership and interacting with that mothership to
0: constantly share these learnings. Going back to something you said before, when you went back to the team and sort of said to them, it's okay, I've been through this before, I've already seen this. Can you think of one really great example of something that just went completely sideways that you can share with us because I love the good stories, but I also really love the bad stories because we've all been there and that's what we don't really share that much, right? We might tell a small thing, but tell us something that happened that really knocked you off your feet. And then tell us if you recovered quickly or if this is something that still to this day makes you wanna hide under a table. I mean, there's certainly many of those (laughs) moments.
1: A couple that come to mind. One is we were not engineers. I am still not an engineer. I probably should have taken the time to just honestly to try to be because it's so part and parcel to what we do. But our initial instinct was therefore to outsource the build of our website at Rent the Runway. And we did a lot of work in creating a RFP and all the documents to tell people what we wanted to create and talking to 10 different firms, having them submit proposals, asking them questions, negotiating contracts. And ultimately, we thought we could handle this over and they would come back two or three months later with a website. And that's not the way really anything works in life, definitely not in entrepreneurship and definitely not when it's mission critical to whether you can launch or not. And so gradually as it was like two weeks, four weeks in, and we asked for check-ins, milestones, how's it going? And we were focusing on a million other things. We didn't have enough confidence in what we were not receiving, I guess. And so I flew to Canada, which is where the team was and was able to see that rather than 10 engineers we thought we were paying for, there was like one person and another guy showed up at noon. Oh no. And I actually had found a kind of consultant, a tech consultant. I had him come along with me on this trip. So it wasn't just me, but even that alone, just seeing that like the number of people was not adding up was interesting. And like looking over the shoulder and saying like, well, show me what you do have or asking questions that you may think are silly, but are meaningful. That was definitely a moment where we did not do the right thing and quickly pivoted to hire an outsource team and to manage it very differently as hands on as we could and to hustle because we wanted to get
0: that website up and running. And so what do you do now to ensure that that doesn't happen again? <laughs> ask a ton of questions,
1: often have an engineer as part of your team as early as possible, have some in-house resources. So I actually think outsource resources or consultants can be great from an engineering perspective, but often combined with some folks in-house who really understand what you're doing. That can be at different phases. Like initially when you're creating your minimum viable product, your MVP, you might work with a consultant, but always asking questions, being hands-on, making them translate tech talk into business talk and finding someone who can do that is really
0: important. That's a great point because a lot of people hear things, they have no idea what people are talking about and they nod along because mm-hmm, they don't want to sound mm-hmm. silly or that they don't feel like they know when, in fact, the smartest thing you can always do is just say, ask the dumb questions, ask the dumb questions. And I've, often they aren't dumb,
1: Yeah, like they really aren't. And yeah, I think this assumption that people have that it's so foreign and removed leads people to sometimes lean away from things. And when I led logistics, I Rent the runway, I mean, definitely had never led a logistics team or opened a warehouse or worked on dry cleaning. It was another example of if you just ask all the questions and you can figure it out. And sometimes you can figure things out as we did with Rent the Runway in a more novel way
0: when you don't come from that industry or that background. Yeah. So in 2021, you did something that was a little different. You joined a different kind of company, not as an entrepreneur that you joined Volition Capital as the company's first venture partner. So talk to us about that journey. Yeah, well, I alluded to the fact that we
1: raised venture capital money early on at Rent the Runway. And we were very fortunate that the person we raised money from, Scott Friend from Bain Capital Ventures, truly acted as a co-founder. He had been a former operator and the lens, the vantage point that he had on what we were creating, his ability to relate and connect to us as founders was so powerful across our journey the whole way. And to this day, he's someone I interact with almost every week in some way, right? And it's, I'm on the board, but I'm not even there day to day. That's how close he became to, to me and Jen and to our business. And he really cared. And I felt that seeing that, seeing another board member, an investor of ours, who also had been an operator, I wanted to contribute some of that lens, let alone the lens of being a female investor right. to the world of, of investing. And I had started to dabble in it a little bit while I was at Rent the Runway, while I was at Walmart, people who had been employees of mine were leaving and starting businesses. Mm-hmm. I wanted to support them. And at the earliest stages of starting a business, like the founder is so much of it. So if I knew this person and really trusted them, backing their business was pretty much a no brainer.
0: And Is it something that you're enjoying now? Do you love it the way that you loved being an entrepreneur in those early days? Do you feel like this is the evolution of Jenny? It's an interesting question. It's hard. It is so different. I think it has been a really nice
1: different sort of work, uh, where I'm busy, I'm engaged, I'm helping people as a coach versus a player. Mm-hmm. It fits in nicely in my world, in my life, where there's a lot of control over how you plan your day. So you're really busy and yet you have control more of how you schedule the meetings or the board meetings. So I've enjoyed a lot of it. You're helping a lot of a broader set of people. As much as I love operating and I do miss it, it's a little scarring sometimes to think of those earliest days and to imagine going back. So you know, for now, I feel like it's a chapter of my life that I've at least put on pause and I'm really enjoying this current moment in helping other entrepreneurs and sometimes dipping in where they need more help Mm -hmm. in this
0: operator type context. I, I definitely find myself doing that in certain instances. Do you find yourself every once in a while thinking of a new business that you just- All the time. Yeah, I was wondering.
1: (laughs) All the time. And you know what's funny in sitting here? So like I, sometimes I call it a disease, right? Of like thinking almost every day of a new business concept. But I often tell people like something's really got to like itch you for a long period of time. It's got to like keep you up at night. It's got to be a concept that you're pretty obsessed with. And yet when we started Rent the Runway and when I started working on Jet Black, it was so much more like let's jump into the doing because I think a big part of the reality in starting a business is the idea is like part of it. And sure, the economic model needs to make sense, but just like going forward and getting it done and jumping at it like full steam ahead is likely more of it, honestly, right? Like just having enough conviction to like, go to Diane von Furstenberg's office, to walk into a venture capitalist's office and like pitch your concept to say like, I'm gonna quit my other job and like go after this to hire your first employee and kind of stick your neck out where you're responsible for that person. Rent the Runway wasn't some genius idea that no one ever thought of, right? It's just that we did something about it.
0: Yeah. You claimed your confidence. We claimed though. our there confidence. There you go. You yeah. just claimed it. You just you did owned it. Owned your power, walked in there and did it. Well, Jenny, I cannot thank you enough. I could keep you here all day and just talk to you about all the different things that you're doing and have done over the course of your career. It has been such a pleasure having you here. Thank Where you. Where do we find you, Jenny? Where can we follow your journey and what comes next? Yeah, well, I'm most active on Instagram. It's at Jenny Carter Fleiss.
1: You'll see a lot of my kids on there, but absolutely <laughs> businesses that I'm working on and that I've invested in amazing entrepreneurs that I'm speaking with and that I'm inspired with. And it's such an exciting time. I think with the macro economy, this is when great businesses are born and there's a lot of exciting things going on. So please, please be in touch. And I'm so excited about what's to come and hopefully more entrepreneurs out there are
0: hearing this and inspired to go after their dreams. Well, thank you again for being here and thank you to everyone for tuning in again. I hope you will follow along on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Lydia Finette as I'll be posting about upcoming guests and recording times, so you can stop by Newsstand Studios and say hi. A special thanks to Joe and Newsstand Studios who makes all the magic happen. I wanna leave you with one last question. Is there something in your life that you wanted really badly and you used Jenny's advice and just got out there and did it? If so, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Let's keep this conversation going. I'm Lydia Finette, and this is Claim Your Confidence. I can't wait to be back with you again next week with another incredible story of a woman who's claiming her confidence. Have a great week.